Hey folks, it's Lauren for Little Miss Neurodivergence, recording this episode from Singapore. Welcome and thank you so much for tuning in and listening. On this episode, I want to talk about a term that I recently came across, and the term is conversational narcissism or a conversational narcissist. And this term, for those of you who have not heard of it before, was coined by a sociologist called Charles Derber, who's a professor of sociology. And he came up with this term in his book called The Pursuit of Attention, Power and Ego in Everyday Life. This term, I didn't read the book, but from what I understand, this term is based on his observation of the American social support system, which is relatively weak, and it leads people to compete for attention. And basically, it describes a tendency to turn a conversation back to yourself. Now, I know that as someone with ADHD and autism, and I'm just going to say neurodivergent, neurodivergent people in general, I know that I've seen this out there when I've been on social media, like, this is a way that we use to demonstrate that we understand where you're coming from. Like if you tell me a story about your rabbit, for example, and then I'm going to be like, oh, I get what you mean because, you know, when I was younger, I had this rabbit and then I'll finish my story and then I'll say, and anyway, yeah, that's what I mean by I get what you're saying. Like, and then I will usually prompt the person who has shared that story about the rabbit to continue what they were saying. You know, like, it's not just like I kind of hijack the conversation and then it goes, you know, like it, the focus turns to me. And I feel like I wonder when when I see this term conversational narcissist, I wonder if it actually can be used to describe certain relationships that I've been evaluating recently and how it relates to my communication differences with ADHD and autism. So I guess because I have social differences that are caused by directly or indirectly with my ADHD and autism. Making friends, honestly, it has never come intuitively to me. Keeping friends does not come intuitively to me. And what I mean by that is that I literally learn how to demonstrate, like to show that I'm actively listening to somebody by observing other people in general and, you know, just doing research on my part. So I know what my face quote unquote should look like or quote unquote how I should sit. I know that I should ask follow-up questions during the conversation and maybe even days or weeks after that conversation to check in about that specific topic my friend is talking about. And I do this because, or I have done this research because I feel like I'm a highly empathetic person. I feel that I get very emotionally invested in other people and their well-being. But somehow, because of my communication differences, uh, be it the way I'm actually speaking, my body language, my facial expression, it doesn't come across. And so it has been, you know, like deliberate kind of, 
I guess posturing in a way or or masking to kind of show that, you know, I'm listening, I'm I'm invested, and it takes a lot of mental energy to communicate in the way that other people seem to do, maybe without thinking about it. And I mean, generally speaking, I don't mind. I think this is what it means to be a good person and a good friend. I was raised to treat others how I want to be treated, you know. And I feel like when I was told that with my brain, I take it very literally, and I try my best to practice that as much as I can. But this is where the trouble starts. So because I want so much not to be that conversational narcissist, I feel like I end up shrinking myself. And I don't take up as much space as I need or I would like to in my friendships or any relationship. And it's especially tough when I am in need of a friend. And this difficulty or this difference can happen via text message or if I'm talking to somebody face to face in an email or something. You know, so either I don't really know when I can talk about what's in my mind or what's on my mind because I'm not sure when's the right, you know, quote unquote, time for me to share. Or else, if I talk about what's on my mind, then I notice because I'm hyper aware, right, of like that social interaction. I notice that the other person will do one of two things. They will either make a generic statement about my situation. So they might say, oh, you know, that sucks. Uh, it's not really helping your mental health to go through this. Or they might say, let me know if you need anything. They might say, I'm always here for you. And then they change the topic back to themselves for the rest of the conversation or what they were talking about before that or something else that is going on with them. Or else, the second thing that happens is what I've said or what I've written out in that written conversation or written communication gets completely ignored. And I honestly don't know if it's because I've talked about that subject um, and it's maybe not appropriate in this situation to talk about, if the person maybe missed what I wrote out I really don't know, but then I get really awkward and I don't know what to do. And I just default back to the pers uh, the position of active listener, you know, like actively listening and like thinking like, okay, now I need to look like I'm paying attention. I need to come across like I'm invested in this person and what they are saying now, even though I feel like they have hijacked the conversation. And honestly, sometimes it gets to the point where I feel like I've become an emotional receptacle or a dumping ground for every single problem that my friend is going through. And sometimes, you know, this even extends to what the other people in their lives are going through. And again, I don't mind because I know what it feels like to be alone when things are hard and I don't want other people to feel the same way. But then I don't feel like it's reciprocated at all. And I really don't know if it's because I've made myself small or I've allowed this to happen. I really don't know what is happening. And 
when I, you know, like when I, okay, I'm just going to give you one example that has happened the past 12 months, okay, which is while I was going through the realization of misdiagnosis and missed diagnosis, the whole, the whole stress of having to self-advocate, the financial stress on top of the emotional one while I was juggling full-time work at that time and my cats got sick and then I got sick from the stress and it was just incredibly heartbreaking. It was incredibly difficult, but I feel like I had to endure a lot of it on my own because like I said, I didn't know when to bring it up or if I did bring it up, it would just be a kind of generic response. And the funny thing is that I would get these generic responses even when the person has asked me, how's it going? What are you up to? And I'm responding right and telling them what I'm going through. But then it gets ignored or I get that again, like, oh, I'm here for you. And then it skips past like what I'm going through and it goes straight to, I feel like that dumping on me, that emotional dumping on me. And I don't know if other people do this in general, but what I know is that for me, it gets challenging because I tend to overthink in general. It's that intense monitoring that comes with, I think more of autism that I'm trying to curb that impulsivity, which I know ADHD can also play a part in to, you know, like wait for my turn to speak in any conversation, which I guess by definition, a conversation is a back and forth, right? Between two people. But I think I'm starting to realize maybe people don't analyze or overthink the situation the way I do. And if they were in my shoes, and they weren't someone with ADHD and autism and prone to kind of overthinking, they would just continue to talk about their thing, you know, just kind of like talking at each other. So it's not necessarily like a going back and forth, like I hear you, I respond to what you're saying, and then I get to say my thing and you respond to what I'm saying, and then that just kind of continues. But it's, yeah, like I said, it's just two people just kind of talking at each other. And I'm not sure if this is the way it is because this is completely my hypothesis, unsupported by anything, but I'm just wondering if it's because we're so used to being on our phones, our smartphones that are, the way that we communicate nowadays is more one directional. And then when, if or when we get a response, it's delayed. So it, it skews towards a more, you know, like you're talking at somebody and then eventually they will talk back at you. And so this kind of has crossed over into the real world and this is just how things are. And I'm just being pedantic by fixating on what is a conversation actually like, you know? Um, yeah. and. To be fair, the reason I know that I intensely monitor my behavior in social situations is because in the past, you know, when I was growing up and as a young adult and pretty recently, like as recent as the last year again, 
or yeah, uh, or the last two years, I said friends or acquaintances who point out to me that I tend to talk about the same thing over and over. And I know I do this partially because, you know, it's probably like a hyperfixation. It's something I'm interested about in that moment and I can't stop thinking about it. And then because of that impulsivity, like I just can't help but to keep talking about it and not really knowing when to curb that or, or how to stop it. Or I know that I have really bad short-term short memory whereby I forget that I've said that thing and then I might talk about it again and then people will be like, I know you've said so before. And maybe it's also like a special interest where, you know, I kind of keep circling back to the same topics and then people are just like, do you have any other thing apart from this thing that you are making your whole personality? And the thing is, my confusion also stems with the fact that I notice that the people who are saying this to me, I observe that they get to talk about the same thing that they are interested in over and over, and that's okay. So I feel like the way I feel is that it could be the way I'm saying it, like my tone, maybe it's my body language, maybe it's my facial expression, or maybe I keep saying, if it's a text message, I keep saying the same thing in the exact same way over and over again accidentally that I cannot really seem to control no matter how much I learn and I try that is rubbing people the wrong way. And it's not so much about me talking about the same topic again and again, because other people get to do that, but then I get called out when I do it. So like, yeah, I just can't seem to figure out where the sweet spot of how much is too much to talk about something. And then like what quote unquote, like correct expressions or whatever to make or to say so that when I'm expressing myself with what I need to say, it's more it's more palatable to the other person so that it doesn't annoy them. And I just wonder if, if this really is, you know, how much of this is, like I said, conversational narcissism where we're all just kind of competing with each other for attention and I may be guilty of it, you know, other people may be guilty of it, but it's just that because of the fact that I intensely monitor myself, I'm hyper aware of it. And in general, I don't think it's necessarily malicious. I don't think there's any bad intent behind the way people communicate like this. But then I think for me with the, you know, neurology that I have, after the conversation when I'm dissecting what was talked about, like the interaction and just breaking it down and reliving it over and over and over, it's very overwhelming. And don't forget that this overwhelm comes on top of the fact that someone else has basically just kind of emotionally unloaded on me about what's going on with them and what's going on with the other people in their lives. So I feel like I'm just overloaded with the emotional uh, stress of multiple people. And then I feel like it's a vicious cycle. I, I, I realize that I tend to keep quiet more in conversations now as I get older. And I just tend to let people have their say. 
and I do my best to validate them uh, because, like I said, I don't want them to feel like they're unsupported. I know what that feels like. But then I feel like I tend to walk away from conversations or social exchanges feeling like, at least in my head, like it was not an equal interaction or it wasn't a balanced interaction. I feel like I don't get to take up space and when something comes up in my life that I'm going through, then I end up being the only one to support myself in that relationship or the friendship. And I don't feel like this is healthy because I know I get resentful after a while at this relationship dynamic, which keeps coming up again and again for me. And just before I got diagnosed with ADHD and autism, I remember I had written this blog post where I was saying, you know, just kind of musing in the blog post, like, why is this happening to me? Why do I keep reliving the same patterns in my friendships and relationships? Despite my efforts in therapy, you know, with like psychiatric help, with all the reading I do, I didn't understand it at all. And I guess, you know, now that I know my diagnosis and my brain's neurology, it does make sense. And I think I'm just trying to find a balance or a way where I can feel okay with myself because when I get to this point, it usually means I'll take time off social media, which I know in general, I think it's not that unusual. Social media can be pretty overwhelming. But for me, it also extends to where I shut off all my messaging apps like Telegram or WhatsApp or what have you. You know, I just feel like I need all of the chatter to stop because it's just way too much for me to understand or process. And people might think that this is ghosting. And I looked it up because, again, that's just my brain and me researching and trying to understand and do better. And it's not ghosting, it really comes down to this difference in communication and processing. You know what I mean? I just, yeah, I just feel stuck because I don't know how to change it. I don't know how much of this is mine to be accountable for, or how much of this is my part to kind of be like, hey, you know what, stop it. I need I need you to listen to me now. And then like worry that I'm gonna hurt the other person's feelings. I, I just don't know. But in general, I will say that I do feel a lot less guilt and shame about shutting off from other people. I feel like having this understanding again of what I need and why I analyze and overthink the way I do is because of my diagnoses and it's not so it's not so straightforward I know that people who aren't neurodivergent or don't have the disabilities to the level that I experience they're not going to understand they're going to get frustrated by when I get you know reclusive but honestly, I think at this point, I just feel like I spent so much of my time and my energy doing all this mental gymnastics to making sure that they feel hurt and supported. And then I get left with the scraps of my own time and energy to look after myself. And that I feel like, you know what, it is what it is. 
And it's a bit crappy because as a neurodivergent person, I want social connection, but I want a connection that has quality and that makes room for me as well. You know, I want a connection, I want a friendship or some relationship where I'm treated. That person has that same belief where they will treat others the way they want to be treated. And maybe I'm just going to keep losing friends because of these expectations. Maybe I'm just going to end up, you know, in the same patterns because I don't really know if there's a perfect solution out of this. I don't know how to make people understand what I go through and what it feels like. But I think, you know, for now, I'm going to choose to see it as it being more time and energy to cross stitch and hang out with my cats and read and just take it as I will be in a conversation with myself and I will support myself first and I think that's okay. I choose to believe that it's okay because I can hand on my heart say that I've tried so hard to be there for people and I've just, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand socializing or friendships or relationships the way others do and the effort to do so is so is so unsustainable for me so yeah i guess we'll see the reason this also came up is because i think i've mentioned a few episodes back i can't remember which one again my short-term memory but I mentioned that I had gone into burnout, you know, with everything that had been happening. And then I stopped replying to people. First, it was like my online friends, and then it was my coworkers, and then it was my real life friends. And now that I feel like I'm starting to come out of that burnout, and I've started to move past my uh, withdrawal from the antidepressants, thank goodness. I just feel like I don't really know how to connect back with other people post-diagnoses and knowing what I know and if going back will actually just mean reliving the same patterns that make me exhausted and burned out in the first place. So that is why this term came up when I was looking it up, you know, like trying to understand like what friendship should be like, like is this all just in my head and that's how I came across the term conversational narcissist and trying to think if I was one, if we all are in some way or another, you know, like it's not necessarily you are or you aren't, it's probably a spectrum. There are shades of it. And just being aware enough to manage it so that we don't end up, I guess, hijacking a conversation, you know, like there has to be some balance and it has to be an active participation and active effort on both parts. So yeah, um, I hope this made sense to you. It was just really something that has been on my mind and that I'm really trying to figure out because I really, really struggle a lot with other people and, you know, like understanding what they are thinking or what their intentions are. And Again, because, you know, I believe, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. 
in my head, I believe that people are that way too. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just something I think to unpack as a late diagnosed human being with ADHD and autism. And if you figured it out, you know, like how to bring balance in your relationships and friendships, let me know. And yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about on this episode. Again, thank you so much for your attention and listening. And I'm not sure if you got anything out of this. And if you'd like to reach out, I leave all the stuff in the show notes. And I will talk to you again soon. This has been Lauren for Little Miss Neurodivergence. Take care, everyone. Stay safe.